Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in. It's hard to believe, but it's already been over two weeks since we wrapped up the Hiring Success Conference. There were many noteworthy moments, but what made the conference memorable for me was the opportunity to sit down and talk with some of the sharpest minds in talent acquisition. The interviews we recorded will be released over the next couple of months. And we'll start today with the conversation I had with Gareth Flynn, who traveled all the way from Melbourne, Australia to San Francisco for the conference. Gareth is the managing director of TQ Solutions, an advisory and solutions firm for talent acquisition, recruitment, and careers-related projects. He's also the co-founder and director of The Career Conversation, a company specializing in digital microlearning and lifelong career development. He's a man of many hats and brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to the table. Having traveled such a long distance, I was curious to hear about Gareth's impression of the conference and to see what topics in recruiting and talent acquisition are top of mind for someone from the down under. The discussion that followed is one that you're sure to appreciate. Enjoy. Gareth, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Pleasure. Nice to be here, Mason. So you've come, um, you've traveled quite a long way to join us at Hiring Success. Um, just sort of initially, what's your impression of the conference? Yeah, I've traveled uh, halfway around the world, so yeah, definitely long, long haul flight, but uh, really worthwhile. Uh, conference has been um, has been really uh, insightful. Um, you know, one of the reasons I came was to hear what's going on in the U.S. Particularly, mm -hmm. uh, we're often asked in Asia Pacific, um, you know, what are the big U.S. companies doing? Uh, what can we learn from the U.S.? Uh, I sometimes get a little bit frustrated by that because I think we're actually just as mature in many ways in, in Australia, but it's been really great to hear from American businesses, um, hear from some of the vendors over here as well. So conference has been uh, great content, um, really good to meet people, and um, I've, learned, I've obviously learned lots about your products as well, so it's been, it's been great. So I'd be interested in hearing more about your perspective on the differences between talent acquisition in the U.S. and Asia-Pacific. Yeah, look, I think... Um, We've been suffering from a skill shortage in Australia um, and Asia Pacific for a very long time. Um, we're a small country, we have a very small population, and we lose a lot of people internationally. And I think, you know, listening to some of the speakers uh, here th this week, um, America seems to, um, the skill shortage seems to be more recent here, and people are grappling with it, especially here in California. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think we, we've kind of become accustomed to it in Australia, so some of our um, uh, ways in which we're, we're trying to source and engage people are quite advanced in Australia in some regards, uh, but but I think that's that's certainly one piece. And um, but I, but I think on the whole we we are dealing with the same issues. Um, talent acquisition is not working. Business leaders are increasingly frustrated, um, and companies are trying to fix um, the broader recruitment model they have. Um, that's the same here and it's the same mm -hmm. in Australia. So I think those underlying the issues are, are still. Are still really uh, similar. Recognizing that there are these shared problems and issues when it comes to, to talent, do you think that that helps create a global sense of community among people working in TA? Totally. I mean, I, as a consultant, um, I'm actually part of quite a few network groups. Um, there's a couple I'm a member of globally, whether mm -hmm. it be participants in, in the UK and Europe uh, or here in the US and in Asia Pacific. So there's a, re there's a real increasing sense of community. People very willing to share. Um, you know, there's, there's virtual webinars with global participants. There's um, you know, um, 
people who go to conferences like me will always network and meet up with quite similar groups of people. Uh, and I think companies that used to be competitors are also willing to share. Um, you know, you may have a big four consultancy firm really open booking to another big four consultancy firm or a, a major bank doing the same. And that wouldn't have happened five years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that whole collaboration piece in the industry is, um, is, is really starting to be seen. Yeah, so there's a lot of knowledge transfer and sharing. Oh, big time. And you can, you know, if you've got a problem, you can WhatsApp a group and you've got several suggestions or answers. Um, it, I mean, that's, that's taking place now. It's, it's, it's great. And when you're at a conference like Hiring Success, how much do you feel like you, you take away to inspire you or to give you new ideas about the way that you approach your work? Oh, every conference I take away some major learnings. Um, so, you know, for, for me, I, I, in the session I just had with Gary Ball on the future of work, there were some absolute nuggets in there that I will, um, I will sort of digest and think about and, and, and take back to clients. Um, I mean, some commentary there was very relevant for a current customer in Australia. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my... my thinking and the evolution of my thinking has really, particularly in the last three years where I've attended uh, a number of conferences in, in, in the US, Asia and um, the UK, I, I just learn every single conference I go to and, and share that with my team and we then share it with our clients. It's, it's part of what makes my business quite um, uh, special in that we have a lot of inbuilt knowledge and um, understanding of what's going on globally. Yeah, and being here really gives you a sense of just how diverse talent acquisition is as a profession. I think you necessarily have to look at the world through different lenses, technological, sociological, psychological, political, even sometimes. And I think that this, I think that this affords people working in TA to kind of find their own niche and develop expertise in things that they're genuinely interested in or passionate about. What's your niche? In which area do you have the most strength in terms of your interests and professional knowledge? Yeah, great question. Um, agitating the function, I think, is mm -hmm. the strength of mine and our company. Um, so we do want to transform what we're doing. We don't believe our current um, frameworks are working. So there's an agitation and challenge to status quo, which we, we, we will poke the bear. Um, I think we're, um, uh, we're often used to help develop business case of change. So um, bringing some science, data, and financial commercial acumen to the table, that's something we um, you know, clients use us for extensively. Um, and I think that's partly because uh, the, function, the skills in the function traditionally have um, been obviously focused on HR and recruiting, not necessarily on finance and commerce. Um, and, and, and that's increasingly important as we try and get investment for transformation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other piece for me, uh, I mean, I'm deemed our, uh, our HR tech geek uh, in, the, uh, in the business. So on a personal level, um, I attend a lot of these conferences and events to learn about technology, um, what plays with what, uh, who are the best in breeds, and, um, and, and what can we potentially bring into clients as we transform. So that, that tech piece for me is a, is a really key um, is a really key part of who I am and what I do. Um, and then there are other members of my team, for example, a, a, a chap called Will Innes in, in Australia, um, who's a brand and experience guy. And he brings his speciality to the, to the table, um, but from an employer brand recruitment marketing side. So it's about, you are right, it's about piecing some of these experts together within a client to help them with that transformation. Okay, so since you're a self-described tech geek, 
Let's continue with the topic of HR tech. Are there any developments in that arena right now that you're um, particularly excited about or that you think will be disruptive? Lots. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, obviously, with what you guys are doing with the core recruitment software is awesome. Uh, so I think, you know, the, the, the focus on experience and the, the design of your, your platform is, is, is great and it's the future of, 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 obviously, recruitment technology in terms of its core tech. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving the area that's emerging though around mobility. Um, it, what's, what's certainly happening globally is a focus on internal hiring. Um, you know, companies, are, it's so hard to recruit externally at the moment. Um, there's tenure problems. We're trying to hold skills and capability within and that now there's a focus on uh, career, career development, internal mobility. Um, so you know, the, the likes of um, platforms such as Globes and Fuel50 as examples um, new technology focused on mobility, I'm really excited about because there's a lot of companies who are focused on um, developing that uh, capability now and we've not had technology because all the uh, VC money has been pouring into external hiring platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now starting to move into um, internal hiring platforms. Um, so that's a really exciting emerging space for me. So what are some ways that companies are embracing internal mobility? You mean like um, shortlisting candidates that they think are fit for uh, promotion or like offering them internal mobility training programs? I mean, I suppose there are several different ways that you know, companies are doing that, but I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so uh, where, where I see this potentially heading mm-hmm. is, um, uh, you know, it's been coined the internal talent marketplace. Um, so it's, it's, it's enabling your workforce and your hiring leaders to, uh, to, to, to access jobs and, and, and skills within an internal marketplace. So in the future, employees will have very deep profiles of who they are and what they are and what they want to do. And hiring leaders will be able to seamlessly um, post gigs, projects, secondments, jobs, opportunities within that marketplace and have start to have visibility of skills within that marketplace. So I, I see um, that emerging in the future. And to enable that, we have to um, uh, train and empower our workforce to manage their own career. So they're going to need to understand their role in the marketplace. Um, at the same time, we've got to really upskill the uh, capability set of the line leaders um, and, and so that they see their accountability for internal moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, so, and their technology will enable that to happen once we've built the capability of our workforce and our leaders. So I think that what it means to have a career could become much more dynamic and interesting in the future then, wouldn't you say? If it becomes standard practice to give employees resources to develop new skills and become lifelong learners, I think that people would probably feel much more engaged, uh, potentially satisfied with the work that they're doing and in, in their jobs. Oh, totally. And that's, so, so for me on, on that topic, um, I, I totally agree. People have got to continuously learn. Um, where I think it will relate and translate into an internal um, enterprise is that um, individuals will start to identify their preferred career paths. Um, again, that partly will be technology driven um, with, within a company. Their career path will identify what learning they need to undertake, mm-hmm. which will link into LMS type technologies. Um, again, empowered and accountable, the work, worker will need to undertake that learning, um, self-directed probably, a mixture of micro-learning and, and other courses. 
and that will enable them to then move into their preferred career path. So I do see organisations who are really serious about talent and talent retention will, will start to uh, enable their workforce to develop their own career paths linked to their learning platforms. And that's where it becomes really exciting. Um, and that's just doesn't happen today. Right. Um, and, um, and that's where I see a lot of the future of um, um, kind of internal mobility and learning going. This is kind of a broad question, but which skills do you see the greatest demand for? And out of those skills, which would be the easiest or most accessible for employees to acquire through technology? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think, so um, I, I also have a startup business that operates in, um, in, uh, in learning, mm-hmm. uh, micro-learning in particular, and it's focused on uh, human-centric skills. And um, the skills in most demand from enterprises at the moment are human-centric skills. Um, used to be called soft skills. Uh, but they're actually more, soft's not the right word, uh, human-centric is, 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 is the skill and the name. And I think they're the skills that companies are craving. Um, they're, they're actually harder um, because they involve mindset and behavior change. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do take longer to form and build. Um, but that's where there's a fair bit of investment needed. Um, you know, training someone with a technical skill is relatively easy. Um, but, you know, I heard a stat when I was here in the U.S. a couple of years ago that the skill in most of mine in Silicon Valley is communication skills. Really? So, you know, we've got technical skills in abundance. We want technical skills and human-centric skills combined. That, that's, that's what companies are needing. Um, it's also probably not what the school and education system is geared up to do. They're geared up to, to build technical skills, mm-hmm. um, whereas we, we have to focus on human-centric skills. Um, and, and that's where... Um, companies are really starting to uh, to invest, um, uh, and that that could be uh, it could be mindfulness, it could be communications, it could, and there's a whole range of stuff that will fall under that um, under that banner. What you just said stands out to me because, at least in the, the U.S. right now, you often hear people talk about the fact that our current model for higher education produces graduates that don't necessarily have the skills that are in demand or needed by businesses. For instance, coding, software development, and so on. And I think that this has changed the way that a lot of people think about more conventional um, disciplines or areas of study, like the humanities, almost as if they're no longer relevant. But you're making the opposite claim. Yep. Totally, totally agree with you. Um, you know, that, that, and again, in, in, in Australia, there are um, organizations that are working with industry to set up educational institutions to develop the skills that are required in business that the university sector is not creating. Um, there's a focus on what they call STEAM mm-hmm. skills. So it's STEM with an A, and the A is for arts subjects. So you know, we've been overly indexing on STEM mm-hmm. skills and subjects, and now there's a, an increasing focus on actually needing the arts subjects. And you, I mean, you've raised a really interesting one there around written communication. So important. Um, I'm you know, dismayed at the quality of um, um, something I mean, I've interviewed and, and, and worked with a number of um, university educated um, early entry career people and their recent skills were appalling. Mm-hmm. Um, so the art of communication in, um, in writing written form is a, is a lost art and in, in recruitment with a focus on marketing and brand, the art of writing and storytelling is really important. Um, 
verbal communication skills, storytelling um, in person uh, is, a, is, a, is an increasingly important skill. Um, visual communication with video is, an is, an, is a really, really important skill within our industry sector. Um, you know, we've been talking at the conference here around the need for content, mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be written, it's going to be video, um, it's in person, and um, we, yeah, we, have to, we have to focus on that. I'd say that a lot of people worry that advances in technologies like AI will eventually deprive us of our humanity. But if you look at things a bit closer, um, it might actually be putting us in a position where our most human attributes are emphasized and accentuated. Well, I, I, I totally agree. I think uh, a few years ago we all got caught up in the, you know, let's automate everything and we don't need any humans involved in the, uh, in the hiring process as mm -hmm. an example. But, um, you know, we're now working with companies um, on their TA strategy and one of the areas that we're focused on with them is um, answer the question, how much human and how much digital? And when it's human, who is it? And once you worked out who, what, what, what are they doing? What's, their, what's the skill they need for that, that intervention? So the human versus digital question, um, I think was blindly assumed to be, we're gonna digitize everything a few years ago. And now companies go, no, we want some hero moments where humans are involved. Um, and those, they're gonna be high value moments uh, that create big value for either the candidate or the hiring manager. Um, and they're going to be very focused on human-to-human um, on, on -human interaction, not necessarily on technology. Any final thoughts for our listeners on the current state of talent acquisition or the future? Yeah, this came up a little bit in, um, well, my answer to this question did come up a little bit yesterday um, in Jerome's presentation. Um, we're not articulating our real value as an industry sector. Um, you know, we're seen and perceived in many cases as a, as a back office cost center. And hence, you know, companies, are, oh, TA leaders are struggling with funding and uh, investment. Um, I challenge the industry to um, start, well, A, seeing themselves as a value center, um, but also importantly, start um, measuring metrics that will demonstrate the value you're creating for an organization. So again, we, we've done a number of, um, business cases with uh, large um, organizations where our business cases are predicated on um, company metrics such as revenue creation. So how much more revenue can we create for your organization through better hiring? Or they may be focused on productivity. How much time can we give your hiring managers back so they can do their job through better hiring? And that will have a revenue outcome. So there's a whole range of things we can focus on that will demonstrate true value. Um, and so I challenge the industry to really focus on value, not cost, because we create immense value for an organization. And we're at, recruitment is a multiplier of value if you get it right. right. And that's why we need to focus. Gareth, great chatting with you. Thanks for your time. No problem, Mason. Good to catch up. Thanks. Cheers. This episode of the Hiring Success Podcast may be over, but that doesn't mean the discussion has to end. To keep the convo going, head to our newly launched site, HiringSuccess.com, an interactive online community to shape the future of recruiting. Once again, that's Hiring Success, just like the name of this podcast, .com. <laughs>